Shachtan, an Indo Askelige. Time in Mon Iruk the Yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Machan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestian Echo. Vien Talam again Omgrev, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919, 1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. Today on the Indo-Daily, Donald Trump, King Charles and the man who says being rich is his superpower. In his terminology, he looks for political investments in undervalued political stock, people who become powerful later. Donations to the royals, discussing nuclear submarines with US presidents and influencing prime ministers. Welcome to the world of Anthony Pratt. Well, you may be a billionaire, but... I'm a multi-billionaire, and besides, I'm president, and I know things that you don't. The billionaire has been dismissed as a red-haired weirdo from Australia by Donald Trump. But just who is the headline-making cardboard king? Anthony is one of the most successful men in the world, perhaps Australia's most successful man, as they say. I'm Fionn Sheehan, and today on the Indo-Daily, I'm joined by TRT World presenter Enda Brady. Enda Brady, g'day. Australian, <laughs> Australian billionaire Anthony Pratt. Who is this guy? Like all good billionaires nowadays, Finon, he started out as the son of a multi-billionaire years ago. His father was a man called Robert Pratt, who, again, uh, was one of Australia's richest men. And how he made his money, the family fortune comes from cardboard boxes and recycling paper. And the father kind of hit upon an idea that Obviously, back in the day, an awful lot of people weren't that environmentally sound or interested. And Robert Pratt had this genius idea about making cardboard boxes and figuring out a way of then recycling them and packaging them. And that's what he did. And he built a business in Australia. He built a business in the United States. And he kind of groomed his son, taught him everything he knew. Uh, At one stage, he packed him off to no pun intended, uh, America to learn the ropes there, the business he'd set up. And Anthony just went from strength to strength and obviously inherited everything from his father. The business is thriving. It's now called VZ, V-I-S-Y. He's the boss. He's 63 years of age. He's from Melbourne in Victoria in Australia. And as I say, um, one of the richest men in the world. An awful lot of people, I think, until this week have probably really never heard of. What's he worth, do we reckon? So the estimates vary, but he is certainly in the tens of billions of dollars. His company makes somewhere in the region of $9 billion profit US a year. Um, so, yeah, staggeringly, eye-wateringly wealthy man. Yeah, believe me, one of the wealthiest, very definitely, in, in Australia and, and probably 
hitting rich lists around the world and on, on top of that. This country's blessed with entrepreneurial spirit. People like Australian Anthony Pratt, who sits third on our rich list. Pratt's worth $24 billion, so the $200,000 Mar-a-Lago membership fee was nothing. But the access it bought, a friendship with Trump, was priceless. Now, why are we suddenly hearing about this guy who we didn't know a whole lot about before in in this uh, hemisphere? So several Australian newspapers in the last few days have got hold of leaked audio recordings of Anthony Pratt in conversation with various different people. We don't know how they've got hold of these recordings, but why he's of interest is that effectively he was at one stage, I don't think they're pals now, but he was very pally with Donald J. Trump. And in these recordings, Anthony Pratt is heard discussing Trump, things they've spoken about, issues that Trump had allegedly told him. And why it's getting such global interest now is, of course, there's lots of court cases in the United States involving Donald Trump, classified information that he wasn't supposed to have had. And Pratt, certainly in some of these conversations with other people, hints at various different conversations he had with Trump that really, in all honesty, Trump probably shouldn't have been having with a member of the public. You have new reporting this morning about Donald Trump's handling of potentially sensitive national security information while he was president, according to The New York Times in 60 Minutes Australia. Trump allegedly shared information about his calls with the leaders of Ukraine and Iraq with an Australian billionaire named Anthony Pratt, who is a member of Mar-a-Lago. And what was their relationship in, in the first place? Well, I think Pratt was quite useful to Trump because Pratt was all about job creation in the United States. He owned companies there. And Trump now, in recent days, has taken to this uh, social media platform, Truth Social, that he invented. And he said that his relationship with Pratt was all about jobs. Uh, he said, that's what I'm about, jobs in Ohio, jobs in Pennsylvania, job creation, low taxes. So Trump is trying to write it off as just a, a business-to-business relationship uh, as such. But certainly Pratt you know, was a member of the Mar-a-Lago club in Florida, where basically Trump HQ is really, and where, where Trump spends most of his time, even when he was president. So it's, it was, uh, I would say, a mutually beneficial relationship at one stage. But Trump, of course, this week, when all of this has come out, has denounced him as, quote, word for word, uh, a red-haired weirdo from Australia. Yeah, classic Donald Trump latest (laughs) nickname, you'd have to say. Um, What about the the things, the the kind of tidbits that it's now alleged that Trump uh, told Mr. Pratt in these recorded conversations? So he's got this ability to say outrageous things nonstop. He's outrageous. He just uh, says whatever the f*** he wants. And he loves to shock people. He said, I just bombed Iraq today. And the president of Iraq called me up and said, you just leveled my city. They touch on several global issues. So Iraq, for example, 2019, uh, Pratt alleges that Trump had told him privately that he had ordered an, an airstrike on targets, terrorist targets in Iraq. Uh, This had not been in the public eye whatsoever. And then Trump allegedly then went on to tell Pratt that, you know, in the aftermath of the airstrike, he had the president of Iraq ring him up. So the president of Iraq rang up Trump to complain about the airstrike. And Trump boasted to Pratt that he had said to him, "Um, what are you going to do about it? And in all honesty, very little the Iraqi president in Iraq could do to Donald Trump. But Trump obviously was getting a kick out of this. 
And then Finon, Ukraine gets dragged into this as well because of Trump apparently telling Pratt uh, that he had rung up President Zelensky himself, asking for Zelensky to investigate Biden's son, Hunter. And this seems to be a real kind of bee in Trump's bonnet over the years, the Biden family and Hunter Biden's relationships with businesses in Ukraine and what was going on there. So there was lots of kind of um, tidbits of discussion and, and gossip and, you know, world affairs that, you know, in all honesty, someone like Trump shouldn't have been discussing with, a, even though he is one of the richest men in the world, he's still a civilian. Yeah, and as you say, federal prosecutors are looking into Trump because of, of the manner in which he was holding on to top secret documents in, in Mar-a-Lago. There's a, ho- a host of investigations uh, going on there. And then it seems Pratt has been dragged in on an issue that both sides are denying was ever discussed, but there seems to be some suggestion it was discussed. Yes. Yeah, so this was the, the whole issue of submarines, American submarines, capabilities, technology, what they have. Donald Trump was accused of not being able to shut up in the months after he left the White House allegedly disclosing classified information about America's nuclear submarine fleet to his Aussie friend. In all, Pratt described what the former president had told him with at least 45 others, including six journalists, 11 of his company's employees, 10 Australian officials, and three former Australian prime ministers. Trump is absolutely adamant that this was never discussed with Anthony Pratt. Now, it's interesting there's not a huge amount in any of the leaked audio about submarines, um, but Trump has come out and vehemently denied that he ever discussed submarine technology from the United States with Pratt. But of course, why it is sensitive, well, he shouldn't have been doing it anyway, but why it is sensitive, you've got this new AUKUS um, security pact, basically, between Australia, um, the United States, Canada, New Zealand, um, completely cutting out the French, the UK's involved in it as well. And the end result was that Australia would be getting, uh, you know, foreign submarines in to replace its fleet. So Trump, if he did extol the virtues of American submarine technology, Pratt would obviously be taking that back home where he had the, the ear of leaders in Australia, obviously, because he's such a vastly influential man there and so wealthy. And then there's there's little bits of gossip from from Mr. Pratt uh, as well. He's got a salacious little detail about uh, Melania Trump. Yes, so this this is interesting and just again an insight into the mindset of Donald J. Trump. Apparently, former First Lady Melania Trump can give as good as Donald Trump gets. When the former president once made a wisecrack that she should walk around in a bikini, leaked audio indicates she didn't hesitate with a zinger of her own. Melania, who was sitting next to him at dinner, he said, I asked Melania to walk around the pool in a bikini so all the other guys could get a look at what they were missing. Then Melania said back to him, I'll do that when you walk around with me in your bikini. It's lovely. And there's also a a lovely uh, comment from Pratt where he talks about paying Rudy Giuliani a million quid to turn up at his birthday party, but then he didn't show up, but he could be useful at some point in the future. So clearly this guy likes being associated with with influential uh, people, which is where King Charles comes into the equation. 
Yeah, so for years, Charles has been doing a lot of charity work in philanthropy and what have you. And there was a project in Scotland that he was deeply passionate about, Dumfries House. So it's a castle, basically. And if you remember, actually, Anton Dick did a piece a few years back now with Charles in Scotland. And Anton Dick and their partners stayed at this Scottish castle. That was Dumfries House. When, when, they, when they said, you're going to stay at his house, we're like, oh, yeah, you know, we'll be like in the garden in a shed is somewhere. That's not is that Balmoral? Or? No, no, this no, is it, his own place, Dumfries okay. House. Yeah. So we thought, oh, we'd be miles away. We're literally on the same landing as him. <laughs> he's in the next room. He's kind of like... <laughs> I don't know if I'd like that. He's, he's oh, like, I liked it. No, cos you look like... So Charles was always doing it up, renovating it. It, it seemed to be a bottomless pit of money was needed, really, to do up this old castle. Um, and at the time, Charles then hit upon uh, a relationship with this Saudi guy who was extremely wealthy and very interested in getting British citizenship and a knighthood. And there was money exchanged and this Saudi guy was pumping loads of money into Charles's charitable ventures. And the inference was that the future king would somehow maybe, you know, push a few buttons and get this guy citizenship or a knighthood or honours in the UK. And Charles got badly stung over that relationship. So Charles formed a relationship with Pratt. Pratt, uh, according to the palace, they've just put out a statement praising his contribution to Charles's charitable ventures, basically saying that this was all above board. Um, the end result from the relationship with the Saudi guy was that Charles's right-hand man, and many people see him as his best friend, Michael Fawcett, he had to fall on his sword because he was the go-between for these relationships. The famous cash for honour story around um, King yes. Charles as he is, Prince of Wales as he was, Michael Fawcett, the bag man, the fixer, suggestions of yes. lots of money moving about for access, perhaps for honours, perhaps yes. somebody could... That's just disappeared. I mean, and it... It disappeared around the same time he became king. And I, I have to say, that really does look pretty smelly. There's a lot about Charles. Um, and basically, in the leaked audio, Pratt has heard saying that Charles's people had asked him to stop making payments because he's so close to becoming king, he doesn't want there to be the appearance of anything. That's the phrase. And he said, it's not, it's not illegal what we're doing. He said, he just does, he's, I don't want, he doesn't want me to bring down the monarchy. Was the fr- and I'm like it's amazing that a guy most people haven't heard of um, could in any way think he might be able to bring down the British monarchy. Um, impossible. There's nothing even as spectacular as the previous cash for honor scandal, which actually had a a suitcase of money involved at 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 one point. In this case, Pratt was giving money directly to Charles. Yes, but it was then being funneled into the Prince's Trust and the charitable foundations that Charles looks after. I think he gave 182,000 US dollars one payment in 2021. And on the audio, um, he's making clear how much Charles likes him. And he says that, you know, um, he saw Charles as undervalued political stock, um, which would rise as soon as he became king. And he was correct in that. You know, I think a lot of people, when Charles was forever the Prince of Wales, going back to, what, the 50s. Um, you know, people kind of saw him as this kind of laughing stock. And, and now, obviously, he's settled into the role of king. Not that he has to do a huge amount, but, you know, Pratt is heard on the audio recording saying, money is my superpower. My superpower is that I'm rich, so I'm useful to him. Um, but then the note came from the palace people saying, you know, Charles would like you to stop giving us money now. Why... Why would Prince Charles be associated with somebody like this, who's 
living on the far side of the world. Fine, he's involved in philanthropy, but he's suddenly showing an interest in Charles's charities. Is there no kind of filter there that would suggest to him maybe we shouldn't be associated with this type of person? You actually look at some of their behaviour over the years, who they've mixed it, who they've taken money from. It's screaming out for somebody to actually articulate it in a sensible, structured way. I mean, if any of the rest of us cohorted with people like Jimmy Savile and others, unknowingly perhaps, but it says something about your intelligence. I don't think there's any filter at all for these royals when it comes to money. You know, they all have charitable enterprises. And if someone rings you up and says, I want to donate hundreds of thousands of pounds to your charity, they'll run a check to make sure that, you know, he's not one of the Kinahans. And that's pretty much it. I mean, it's a fairly rudimentary skimming of the surface of this person. And you you Google him and it turns out that he's CEO of a cardboard packaging and recycling company. He's Australia's richest man. Uh, tick box, tick box. And, you know, a lot of Australians, despite the fact there is a big Republican movement in Australia, and a lot of them, a lot of them are royal bootlickers. And, and that's basically what it comes down to. Yeah, and of course, we have to point out throughout this entire affair, nobody is suggesting anything, any wrongdoing or illegality on Mr. Pratt's part, just he now finds himself in the middle of this controversy. Yeah, I, look, I would imagine he is not welcoming. He hasn't responded to any of the media requests for comment. Look, he's done nothing wrong, but it is a fascinating insight into how, as I say, these elites work, the little networks they build, how who they hang out with, who they want to be seen with. Is it embarrassing for now King Charles to have this relationship kind of being put out there in, into the, the public domain with somebody who basically just has a lot of money and no other great characteristics? Yeah, I think it's hugely embarrassing for Charles. But look, the royal family do what they do. Stuff bounces off them, as you've seen with Andrew. They can pretty much do anything they want anywhere. And people just lap it up because every now and then there's a bank holiday or a big pageant or, you know, lots of trooping the colour and, and Brits lap it up. But, you know, Charles wasn't even embarrassed about receiving one million euros in a suitcase from the ex-Prime Minister of Qatar, who turned up in June 2022 and sent that as a gift. So, you know, royal aides were dispatched to Coots Bank to get rid of that money. A million euros in a suitcase. I mean, if a drug cartel in Dublin was doing this, it would be front page of the papers. Yeah, and and, and I suppose... Mr. Pratt was was right. He was investing early and hoping that that relationship would result in something. And now Charles is, is the king and, and, and hey, presto, but his chances of getting anything out of it are pretty limited. What do we reckon, and is there more to come from, from Mr. Pratt uh, and, and this uh, affair or have, have we got it all at this point? Uh, look, the weekend's newspapers are fast approaching and there's several publications in Australia. The biggest newspapers in Australia have been listening to these tapes. So I think they will have played a clever strategy. The main headlines will have had this week, as we've just discussed, and there probably is a little bit more salacious stuff that will come this weekend. I mean, there's no suggestion Pratt has done anything wrong, but it is a fascinating insight into how these mega elites, billionaires, the relationships they build, how they bounce off each other. And ultimately, it's all about what's in it for them. So as much as it's about, you know, the palace will say charitable giving and, you know, he's a wonderful philanthropist, um, you can see because it's it's there in his own words, Pratt saying, you know, uh, my superpower is that I'm rich, so I'm useful to him. 
I mean, what a quote. And people listening to this and people reading this in the papers, cost of living crisis, Christmas coming up, and most people going from month to month with, without trying to get into the red. Um, and this is how these people talk. My superpower is that I'm rich. So I'm useful to him, right? I see him as an undervalued political stock because he's about to be king. It's just that he's a laughing stock now. But when he's king, they might be laughing. And my thanks to Enda Brady for joining me. I'm Fionan Sheehan, and today's episode of the Indo-Daily was produced by D. Reddy, researched by Dave Hanratty, with sound by John Smith. Archive clips from 60 Minutes Australia, 9 News Australia, 10 News First, Inside Edition, CNN, Good Morning Britain, The Nightly Show, The Scandalmongers Podcast, and The Irish Independent. If you enjoy the Indo-Daily, don't forget to like, follow, and leave us a review. Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel, 0818-715-715.